Charm Diamond Centers. Okay, not bad, but remember, those three little words carry a lot of weight. Has to say 50 years of a family-owned business. Charm Diamond Centers. Dylan, think lifetime diamond guarantee, unbeatable pricing policy, stores across the country filled with experts who love love. Charm Diamond Centers. 0% interest financing, trade-up policy, easy payments. I need to feel that in your voice. It has to sound like Charm Diamond Centers. Wow, that was really good. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Oilers Nation Radio, episode 92. It is a overcast Friday in the capital city. Kind of nice. It's been super hot. So gorgeous out there. Yeah, it's lovely. So my place is, when I bought my place, I didn't know about things like crosswinds. So mine is like shaped like an L and in the summer it gets to be a thousand degrees in here. So when it's kind of like an overcast day like today, nice, but not like scorching hot. That just makes me happy because yesterday I was dying and sweaty. But I want to thank uh, our friends at Sherwood Ford, the giant for helping make this all possible. They were out with us yesterday at famous Donair in Sherwood Park as part of the celebratory victory party. For famous Donair after they won the Donair bracket, the first annual Donair bracket. They were handing out some GCs and stuff, taking a lot of photos. Shout out to our friends at Sherwood Ford on Instagram. They're at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant. And on Twitter, they're at Sherwood Ford. And that will bring us to our friends at Sherwood Ford. Tyler, what is our giant question of the week? Ah, shit. I just took a mouthful of trail mix. <laughs> is that where you just ran? Is it to get some trail mix? Yeah. We got to make sure that part of trail we, mix. Well, we, we got to make pizza. sure that yeah, the pizza was done. Now he's got the trail mix. Now he's got a little hydration, a little water there. Is that just water in there? Yeah, just water. Oh, Friday beers oh, are after okay. we record. Uh, oh, okay. The Sherboard Giant question. Uh, you know the draft lottery is tonight. This is the anniversary of drafting Connor McDavid. You know a lot of draft talk, so I'm keeping it draft themed, and I'm asking you, what is the Oilers' biggest organizational need? You know, if you could add that one prime prospect in one position, would it be a shutdown defenseman, a puck-moving right-shot defenseman, a goalie, another center, a goal-scoring winger, a defensively responsible winger? What do you think is the biggest sort of need for the Edmonton Oilers right now? In terms uh, of their prospect pool. High-scoring winger. Like a legit goal scorer. Someone who, you know, shoots the puck like Matthew. Someone who's out there just scoring goals. A Phil Kessel, but in a hell of a lot better condition. 
somebody like that. We've got defense. We can get by with the goaltending. We're deep down the middle. We just need that one extra sentiment to fill out that top six and everything else filter down into the bottom six. That'll take care of itself. Our D, our D looks great going forward right now. So yeah, just we need that one, that one sniper, that one, yeah, Phil Kessel who can uh, come in and just score on Connor's wing. Yeah, yeah I I'm gonna go ahead and agree. No, I'm gonna don't. go ahead and agree with Rick as well because right now, looking at the the depth chart for the Oilers, the any impact wingers that they could have had are already on the team. Like they just pulled up Kaylor Yamamoto. I mean, Tyler Benson's going to come up, but he's not going to be probably not going to be a guy who's just going to fill the net. He's going to contribute, but I don't think he's going to be a guy that just fills the net. So if they could somehow land a winger that can score, like, man, that'd be great. And I, and I know as Oilers fans, you hate to say it, but I would love a dude, kind of, to be honest, like Matt Kachuk that can score, but he also is a shit disturber. I think that the Oilers would have a lot, would have a big hole for a guy like that. Yeah, we got Cassian. We got guys that can just kind of, you know, rough and tumble a little bit. But like a dude who's like legitimately skilled that's super annoying, that would be my absolute perfect pick if it was available. Uh, my guy, I think, is, is uh, as my dogs just give a chorus of barks behind me, um, is uh, goaltending. I think it's been a long, long time since the Oilers have had like a blue chip prospect goaltender that they can kind of rest on having you know coming through the the pipeline as it were um i think probably right now rodrigue is the best bet for us to uh, to fill the net uh when that time comes but he's still you know i don't think that we're confident enough in having him as a backup next year um so then you got to have him in bakersfield or in uh in stockton so I, I don't know. I, to me, it's like I agree with what you guys are saying in principle. Obviously, you can never have enough scoring wingers when it comes to that kind of thing. But I just I believe that the the organization has had so much trouble finding a goalie to uh, that that is cheap cost. You know, we've we've had to go out and sign free agent goaltenders that that you know aren't aren't the best option. Uh, Cam Talbot was you know a good option from a trade. But uh, we haven't had a blue chip goaltending prospect in a couple of years. I think it's funny that you say that, Dan, because today is the anniversary of the the draft when the Oilers picked up Devin Dubnik. Yeah, I was there just going to say that. And he look he would look pretty good uh, minding the net. Thanks, Mac T. That was a good one, buddy. Anyway, uh, Tyler, sorry I cut you off. Yeah, for me, I, I'm going to agree with Dan, but I think everyone's kind of right here. Like. They need a goal-scoring winger. I still think that's a pretty prominent need. But when you have McDavid, Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, like I don't think anyone's going to sit there and be like, well, there's not enough skill to go around. Like The Oilers have a lot of skill, but I think that one specific piece to their forward group would be unreal. If they could add a guy who in two years, on top of Kyler Yamamoto, is like a 20-25 goal guy, and maybe he's still on his ELC if things go perfectly, then you're laughing. Like if they, Man, can you imagine if they found a guy in the late 20s like the Bruins did with David Pasternak? Like That'd be crazy, but... I'm going to agree with Dan and say it's goaltending. Um, again, they got enough skill to get by up front. You can go find goal-scoring wingers as well. That's one of those things where as long as a guy clicks with Connor McDavid, you're fine. On the back end, they're beyond set. I think they have too many defensemen. They can probably get away with dealing off one of those young guys. Between the pipes, though, there's not that guy who gets you really excited. Like Stuart Skinner, you look at and go, man, I like that guy. I like, I like Rodrigue as well. But there's not that guy that just grabs your attention and that you can point to and go, he's the next one. And that's why what I'm tying this into, I was looking at uh, 
some uh, at Bob McKenzie's draft list and some of the players that maybe they could be looking at in the different ranges they could be picking in because there still is a chance the Oilers are picking in the top 10. And if they were to lose to Chicago, there's a very good chance that Yaroslav Askarov is still on the board. And that's a guy Craig Button says he's Carey Price, Andre Vasilevsky 2.0 kind of thing, like a legit franchise goaltender. And I think if the Oilers could get a guy like that, I'd, I'd be over the moon. Um, throughout the rest of the draft, just some names here. If you're looking for a guy who can score a lot of goals, this might be the perfect draft. You have a guy like Seth Jarvis, who Bob McKenzie has at 18. That might be in the Oilers' range as well. And he just blew up this year in the WHL. Watched a few games of his with Portland. He's got like that high-energy, kind of flashy, flair style of game. And if that translates to the NHL level, he could be dynamite. Lower in the draft... A guy like Jan Mizak from Hamilton, Noel Gunler, who's six foot two, played in the SHL already, big body, knows how to score goals. Like it seems like at every range of the draft, there's a goal scoring winger for the Oilers to potentially pick up. And that kind of gets me excited because, like I said, that's also a need I think they need to address. Anybody nobody would go on defense, eh? Looking at just kind of what we got. <laughs> no, that's completely unnecessary. Yeah, for me, like Right now, Nurse and Clefbaum are top four defensemen. You have those guys. You know, Larson is going to be a UFA in a few years, whatever. But you have Bear, top four defenseman. Jones, he's an NHL defenseman already. Bouchard, projecting that way. Brobert, projecting, projecting that way. And then you have the sort of lower down lottery tickets like Dmitry Samurakov and things like that. I think they have so many defensemen, it's the least of their concerns. I would, I'd be a little irritated if Holland used another first round pick this year on a defenseman. Yeah, I think I would be too, because to be honest, like, you know, with a year of hindsight, I don't mind the Broberg pick at all, but yeah. like, last year I really wanted a scoring winger, just to kind of bolster the, the depth chart a little bit. I wanted Caulfield. Um, I still almost wouldn't mind having Cole Caulfield in this organization over Broberg. But again, yeah, again, it's just like, it depends on the draft class. Like you said, every year different. This year, it seems like it's forward heavy. It's supposed to be a deep draft, but what the fuck do we know? The nice thing, to be honest, boys, is that here we are. It's draft lottery day. Uh, obviously, a weird season, weird year in general. But like, I have no idea who any of these people are that you're talking about, Tyler. Like, Obviously, you know the Lafreniere is top of the draft, but I don't know anybody this year. So I, I have a hard time even offering a, an opinion outside of being like, I wouldn't mind a scoring winger if there is one. I don't know who these people are, though. Sounds good. I like what you're saying. Seth Jarvis is the guy who's getting a lot of love right now just because Western Canada guy. People are a little bit more familiar with the name. And the thing that caught my attention is on Bob McKenzie's draft show, he said some scouts look at him and see a lot of Mitch Marner in his game. And she's like, man, can you imagine if the Oilers... He's probably not going to be Mitch Marner, but if they added a guy who's three-quarters of what Mitch Marner is or brings that similar skill set to potentially Connor McDavid's line, like, unreal. Yeah, because I'm looking at your article now. Um, so 42 goals yeah. in 58 games this past season in the dub. Uh, McKenzie had him ranked at 18th, but admitted uh, that he could go much higher depending on an organizational need. So, Some people have him in the uh, top 10. Yeah, so and that's one of the things that's fun about the draft, right? I One of my favorite parts about the draft is the guys that end up sliding. That's one of my favorite things is just to kind of see who moves down or whatever, even from top spots sometimes. Like I remember the Nolan Patrick draft. Everybody thought it was going to be him, but he did not go first that year. So it's always fun. I love the draft for Oilers fans for a long time. It was the only thing to look forward to. I'm happy, like I said, that we don't really have to worry about it right now. 
Obviously, you want them to make a nice pick. You want them to get a good player. All this, no arguments there. But it's nice to not really know what's going to happen in terms of the Oilers. Remember that year it when Cam me- Fowler fell? He was supposed. To, he was like the consensus third overall pick, and he ended up going like twelfth to Anaheim. Yeah, that was yeah. wild. It, so, like, I'm hopeful that Holland and his staff will know what they're doing. Obviously, they put in the time, they put in the reps, they put in the bats, all that. Because I remember the Kaylor Yamamoto draft. I didn't know anything about this kid really. Uh, I knew he had all kinds of swagger. He told Shirelli that if they didn't draft him, he he would haunt their nightmares or whatever he said. Yeah. But, you know, here we are a few years later, and he's contributing in the top six. You'd be like, all right, you can get a really solid player in that area. And I didn't mean Jordan Eberle was 22nd yeah. overall. You can get good players in there. So no matter what, I trust the staff. I hope they did their homework, that they haven't been snoozing and watching Tiger King over and over again. Do you remember the Tiger King era? That was, the, was like a year ago. Um, yeah. The last like thing I want to add... Ago about the draft stuff. We were talking about goal-scoring wingers in the system and guys falling in the draft. The one guy whose name we didn't mention, and we should, Raphael Lavoie. I think that's the one guy who's kind of circled in the system as like, he might be able to find a way to be a top six winger in this league. And if he does, six foot four power forward with a good shot, like you'd love that on Connor's wing. No doubt. I mean, he's got he's one of those guys that has all the tools there. I just hope he can put it together. You know what I mean? I hope that he can come to his kind of his first pro camps and like hang out with the boys and see what it takes to be a pro and like really take that and run with it. I would love to see that because he was a second round pick that a lot of people had going in their first round. And you know, it's nice to get those sometimes. It's not one of those ones where the Oilers picked the first pick in the second round. You're like Mitch Moreau's like, really? <laughs> um, but you know, again, hindsight, right? Anybody think that Detroit does not come away with the first overall pick tonight? Well, there's only like an 18% chance that they do. So I'm going to go ahead and say Detroit won't be picking first overall, even though they really, really deserve it. Um, I, I think Ottawa's going to get it. I think it's the Anaheim Ducks are going to take it. If Fuck, man. Oilers fans, if you're watching this thing tonight, you need to throw all the good karma you can at those Eastern Conference teams because you do not want yep. Lafreniere in your division. Yep, agreed. Yeah, I mean, a thousand percent. I would love... Well, you know, I, I kind of like chaos sometimes when it comes to these things. Like, unfortunately, the Oilers can't pull out a win in the draft tonight, which would have been hilarious. But, um, yeah, you want an Eastern Conference team to win. And I kind of would laugh if it's not Detroit because they were so bad. so bad. They were historically bad. They were eliminated from the playoffs, like, mathematically out months ago. And it was hilarious. They were the only team with that little X or whatever beside their <laughs> beside the team name. In the standings. I loved it. Um, I love math. It is worth noting the Oilers hypothetically could get Lafreniere. Please explain. So the way the draft lottery is set up this year, and I'm going to need to pull up the the reverse standings. Um, so tonight there's gonna is draft lottery part one. And what this <laughs> is doing is it's awarding who's going to get the first overall pick. So you have Detroit with 18.5%, Ottawa 135 From there, it goes Ottawa again because they had San Jose's pick. Then LA, Anaheim, New Jersey, Buffalo. And then after that, you'll notice there's Team A, Team B, Team C, D, E, F, and G. So those spots are going to be not like unknown. They're going to be called Team A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. Once you lose out in the qualifying round, with the which the Oilers could do, there's going to be another lottery determined to decide who is Team 
A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. So tonight, if you're watching and Team F wins the lottery and will pick first overall, and I mean, for all those teams, there's a 1% to 6% chance of that happening. There's a chance that a Team A wins the draft lottery, and then in Lottery 2.0 after the qualifying round, the Oilers are awarded slot A. So even though they'll get to play, they'll lose to the Blackhawks, but then they could hypothetically get the first overall pick. So never say never. There is The Oilers are technically, in a weird way, involved in tonight's lottery. So we're just praying for a, a team letter to win tonight. Yeah, you're well, praying for team letter exactly. or... yeah. Or Ottawa. You know what? I'm looking at Ottawa's... It's funny now that I'm looking at... So Gregor's got an article coming up on com about the draft lottery that's going up, uh, that's going to happen tonight. And Ottawa has a 20, 25% chance of winning the lottery while the Red Wings, who were so, so bad, only have an 18.5. So it could be interesting. Ottawa could set themselves up very nicely at this draft. Well, and, and, and to Tyler's point too, the I'm just adding up the math here as I talk, but it's like the teams, team A to team H has like a has like the same amount of odds as Detroit does to pick First overall, yeah. right? If you if you slot all those teams together and you say one the chaos theory that one of those teams wins, it would be funny. That that team has just as much of a chance as Detroit does. Do you remember when the Oilers had basically a fifty percent chance always of winning, and they could only slide down once, and then they changed the rules, and then we got Connor with eleven point five. It was great, man. The Oilers game that system so hard, and then we get out of there. Yeah, and then you yeah, get yeah, out as soon as they change it. Yeah, and then we pretend that the Nail Yakupov pick never happened. I miss you, Yak, wherever you are. Traded for cash considerations or whatever in the KHL. Anyway, uh, I want to get again. I want to thank our friends at Sherwood for the Giant for coming out with us yesterday at our Donair Championship party at Famous Donair in Sherwood Park. If you want to follow them on Twitter and Instagram, please do that. They're posting wonderful vehicles. I was just looking at this new whip they posted on Instagram the other day, and I was like, man. If I had any money whatsoever, I would consider going into test drive that, pretending I wanted to buy it. Sherwood Ford, if you're listening to this, please just give me the car. Thank you. Uh, follow them on Twitter, at Sherwood Ford, and on Instagram, at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant. So I said it a little bit earlier. We were talking about how the Oilers won the draft lottery with 11.5% chance to get the Connor McDavid draft, that golden ticket. That happened in April. Today, my friends, today is Friday, June 26th which marks the fifth year anniversary of the actual Connor McDavid draft. So for us, for Rick and I, I'll just describe where I was at that night. I want to talk to you guys about where you were. I'll never forget it ever. So we were at the Pine downtown. The place was slammed packed. There was so many Oilers fans in there. There was Connor chance going probably an hour before the draft even started. There was Oilers jerseys everywhere. It was the best. Everybody was in a great mood. The patio was open. It was hot as hell from what I can remember. And I just, I'll never forget it. So the draft starts. Shirelli goes up, calls Connor McDavid's name. Probably the only good thing he did as an Oilers GM, by the way. Um, called Connor's name. And then there's Rick beside me and he just hands me a shot. We take a shot. Down it goes. Start of a new era. One of the best nation events we've ever thrown. It was so much fun. Um, the, even looking back on the draft party recap video from that night, it was great. There was so many people there, so many chants, so many jerseys. I loved it. Tyler, Dan, where were you guys on Connor McDavid draft night? Which, again, tonight is the fifth anniversary of that 
amazing draft that changed the Oilers' fortunes probably forever. Well, I was I was uh, working at my uh, my my job that took me twelve hour shifts on twelve hour shifts, so I was uh, I had a little bit of uh, my own kind of spirits. Uh, I'm sure they're not listening, so it's fine. But uh, had a little drinky poo while I was uh, while I was working. Just kind of watched it up. I added up. We had four big screens in front of us, and so I had it up on all four big screens on different feeds, so that I could listen to everybody's you know excitement for the Oilers, and yeah, just kind of soaked it up. For me, Tyler, what about you? Uh, I was working at Jersey City in West Edmonton Mall, and uh, <laughs> that was the night they unveiled Orange, right? So in the back of our uh, storeroom, because usually you don't, you can't sell players merchandise until they play a game for that team, right? So there'll be exceptions made, and McDavid was one of those exceptions. He walked on the draft stage and already had 97 on his jersey. So the second he was picked, we were allowed to start ripping open our boxes and putting out orange McDavid tees and all the stuff that went along with it. Um, so it was kind of fun to get, like be a part of that and like be dishing out the first McDavid memorabilia in an Oilers jersey or with the Oilers logo on it. So that's where I was that night. But yeah, we had TVs in the store. So I was watching the draft as you do. And then, uh, of course, it was a few minutes later, right, that we got the news of the Griffin Reinhardt deal, which was also just as exciting. Womp, womp. I remember actually, it's funny you mentioned the Griffin Reinhardt trade. Is I remember the pint, the reaction was kind of like, oh, big trade. What? Wait, what? And there was just kind of like a very split reaction because at that point, Everybody kind of remembered Reinhardt's name from the Tom Boyle Kings. But he had a lot. Of, he still had a lot of potential at that point. Well, and that's exactly it. He was a high draft pick, still a lot of pedigree, and they're like, "Oh shit, Shirelli rolling into town swinging already!" And then obviously, you know, here we are uh, a few years later, and it'd been real nice if they had used that pick somewhere else, literally anywhere else. I mean, you could have even just somebody for Bakersfield at this point. To be honest, that would have been all right. <laughs> So anyway, it was a great night. Do you think, now that I'm thinking about it, so like Tyler said, everybody knew the Oilers were taking McDavid. Everybody knew it. Although, on Wednesday's happy hour, is it happy hour? I did an interview with Angus, friend of the nation, Angus, and I'm pretty sure he told me he wanted the Oilers to draft Eichel. I don't remember what that was, but I laughed at him right in his face, and I hope he remembers it. Um, Do you think there's any part of that day that wasn't as special for Connor? considering that he probably knew where he was going for months. Well, yeah, I think he, or knew did from, not matter. I think he knew from the second the draft lottery came where he was going, but I still think it's a special day for you, right? You're kind of putting on your first NHL jersey. You're getting picked first overall. I think even if you know where you're going, the surprise isn't ruined at all or anything like that. You know, like, like when, you start, uh, when you start a new job, let's say you're starting your dream job, right? And that's day number one. You know where you're working, you know where you're going, you know what's going to happen, but you're still excited to do it and kind of like go through the motions of starting that job. It's true because you see him, he celebrates after every goal. If you know, He knows he can do whatever he wants, but he enjoys every step of the way. He knows he's going to be the best. He knows he was going to be a first overall pick, but you get to go through that whole process and that's where the excitement comes from. You know, it's been his whole, it's been his whole life. He's always the top of the top of the top of hockey, yet he still enjoys everything he gets. Uh, just to, I'm going to steal a mailbag question here that's coming up Monday on Oilers Nation. It, Kale asks, the Oilers were lucky enough to draft Connor McDavid five years ago, and I'd love to know what everyone thinks is, A, the most impressive thing he does on the ice, 
and B, the thing that they'd like to see him work on as his career progresses. So I'm going to go around the horn here. The, the first one's easy. What's the thing you love the most about Connor's game? For me, I'm going to start because I'm probably going to steal somebody's answer, and I love that. The things that he does with the puck at high speed are just ridiculous. His hands don't seem to slow down just because he's going 9,000 miles an hour, and I will never, ever get tired of watching it, ever. Tyler, your thoughts? The, the thing I enjoy the most about Connor McDavid and him being an oiler is when you're in Roger's place, and you can tell it on TV sometimes as well, but when he picks up that puck and gets to full speed, it's hard to even describe what the buzz is like in the arena. There's like a little murmur that just goes, you can tell everyone sort of just perks up a little bit, sits up straight in their seats because you know that at any moment you could be watching one of the best goals ever. Like when he gets to that full speed, the atmosphere, the feel in that rink, it's something I've never experienced before and it's my absolute favorite part about getting to watch him play hockey. That's a great answer. I love that because you're right. There's So the other day on the Nation's Instagram, I reposted that incredible goal that he scored when he first came back from his broken collarbone against Columbus. <laughs> there's there's three levels of cheers in that one play. One of them, he kind of goes through and people go, oh, and then he slides out of the pack with the puck and then it goes even louder. And then he scores and the place goes bananas. It's the best. Mr. Dan, your favorite part about watching Connor McDavid play hockey? Well, it kind of extrapolates on what Tyler was saying, but it's just like for Oiler fans for the last 13 years before before Connor came along, um, we I think night in and night out, you knew that if the Oilers went down by two goals, it was over. They weren't. They just. They didn't have the horses to really, to really get back into it, and and you, you know, for a lot of that time, their spirits were down and defeated. But when this team now, um, like Connor said, it, it that's an explosive ability of the Connor McDavid um, effect that that really just helps you be comfortable in the fact that you know. Yeah, we can get down by two goals because Connor's going to come out and do something that sparks the rest of the team, and and just it just ignites the fire and it keeps it going. And so, and then even on on the other side of things, even in a blowout game like that Toronto game, you if you if you tuned out because the Oilers were up by three goals or two goals because you thought it was fine, you missed out on one of the greatest goals he's going to score in his career by absolutely undressing and breaking Morgan Ragley's ankles. Um, so it's just it's he's. Night in and night out, he's a reason to watch hockey, and he's a reason to be proud and excited to be an Edmonton Oilers fan. You, you nailed that, sorry, but like you're right. When was the last time the Oilers are down by two, and you're always just like, they need maybe a power play. Maybe they need yeah, a power play, and they're back in that hockey game because of how deadly he is. Yeah, you need a bounce or something like that, but now it can he he can just pick up the puck at his own end, and in 13 seconds, it could be... Uh, you know, that pucks in the net. To me, it's just, it's everything. It's everything. He does everything so well. Whether, you know, everything you guys just said, there's not one thing that he does better than anything else. He just does everything better than anybody else. And that's what I enjoy the most of watching him. Uh, and I just want to add on to Dan's thing too, because you mentioned the goal against Morgan Riley. The fact that Connor does some of this stuff to some of the best defensemen in the league as well. Like, I mean, Morgan... Morgan Riley's no slouch. He's done it to Drew Doughty. He does it to Oliver Ekman Larson. He's torched Brent Burns. Like some of Connor's battles versus Doughty in LA, that's my favorite. Because Drew <laughs> Doughty's no slouch. He loves to chirp. And then after games, he also gives hilarious interviews where he's just like, you know, to paraphrase, he's just kind of like, fuck me. What are you supposed to do with this guy? 
<laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing. But here's where it gets more difficult, boys. Five years in, now we're looking at what can Connor McDavid do? What does he still need to work on to be a totally complete player? He is undoubtedly the most electrifying player in the league. I think he's the best player in the league. Um, but what can he, what does he need to work on? And I'm going to take the easy answer. I'm stealing it from all of you. Face-offs. Face-offs he still needs to work on. And that comes that's, with experience more than anything. So, Connor, I know you'll get better. To me, that's the easy answer. What do you guys think? What does he need to work on? Dan, you got an answer? Oh, I think the easy answer for me is just being more selfish. He's he's an amazing playmaker, and and sometimes he he puts the puck on sticks of teammates that don't necessarily know that it's coming or can't like they aren't those eighteen steps ahead of the play. And so we've seen it from Connor where he you know we talked about the Morgan Riley play, we talked about the that Ducks um, that hitch step in the playoffs where he just you know, the defender, the Ducks defender is still skating somewhere towards the corner and he put it in the top corner. And, and, and it, you know, it's, so it's just, it's a little bit more of uh, adding in that unpredictability. I hate to be a guy that tells Connor McDavid what to do, but I guess for me, it would just be, yeah, being more selfish, shoot that puck. Like he, we know he can and, uh, and run those goal totals up into the, into the Leon Dreisaitl kind of levels. You know, it's funny you say that because now I'm thinking about it as Dan was talking. There's plenty of times. I don't I, I know I've certainly tweeted it, something along the lines of, Connor, I love you. I'm never going to be critical of you. You're the best player in the world, but please shoot the fucking puck. Please. <laughs> Tyler, what do you think? Uh, like, I'm not a big fan of, uh, like, personally, I think he is as close to a perfect player as you can find in today's NHL. Like, just how explosive he is offensively. I have trouble saying he needs to be better defensively because I don't want to take away from anything he does with the puck or anything he does to try get scoring chances. But we still see it three, four times a year where there's a goal the opposition scores and it's like, ah, McDavid was still a step away. And, you know, maybe you'd want him to round out his defensive game a little bit more. But like I'm saying this so cautiously because I don't want him to change. I would rather those three or four bad defensive plays a year that result in goals. But hey, if it's going to help him get 115 to 120 points, I personally don't give a shit. But if he wanted to take another step forward, I would say rounding out his defensive game and his commitment to, uh, you know, making that extra stride to make the defensive play, that's maybe the one area I would say. But again, I'm super cautious in saying that because I have a very, very hard time picking apart anything Connor McDavid does. Well, and that's why that's why I thought this mailbag question was fun, right? Because what he does so well, that's easy. We could talk about, and I'm sure there's a million things that are, like, if somebody's listening to this right now, I guarantee somebody's yelling at us. Just like, what about the fact that he can score goals that are just, have no business going in the net or something like that? We're acknowledging that. Yeah, but, you're just, we're only answering this because cause the, the damn question came in. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's for fun. So, Rick, last word on this. you got to pick something that Connor can improve on. After five years in the show, what do you think it is? Okay, if you use the word improve on, then I'd say something to do with it with the, in the defensive zone because I think his shot is really good already. I just wish he would choose to shoot more, but that's not really improving anything. It's just a different choice. Uh, so if we're talking about improving, then yeah, just a little more, uh, a little more awareness maybe of, of your check in the defensive zone. And I love, I loved this whole like, what does he need to improve on kind of thing? Because all of us are like, fuck, I don't know, man. He's just, <laughs> well, what do you want him to do? He's about as good as it gets. 
or skate even faster than a thousand miles an hour. I don't know. And watch him, watch him get faster. Now that he's had all this time off the ice, watch his knee be like, he's got two PCLs now somehow, and he's <laughs> going to go that much faster. Um, I want to thank our friends at skipthedishes.ca for also th- contributing to making this podcast happen. They want to make sure that you are fed. It is a Friday night. Very exciting news for Rick and I this right. week. Very, very exciting. Finally, after months and months of asking, Arby's is finally on Skip the Dishes. And the other night when he texted me, I couldn't find it. But the next day, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, I decided to look again. I was like, hey, when Rick texted me, I was a little bit banged up. Maybe, was, maybe I did something wrong. And turns out, there it was. They just take hood. it off the search when it's, uh, when it's closed. But then the next day, it'll be there. It'll just not be quite open yet. Which is really weird to me, but I found it and I told you and Jay, and then I went back <laughs> to search it because you guys couldn't find it. I went back to search it again, and now it was gone. So I'm like, okay, I think they close at eight thirty, then it goes away. So let's look at this in the morning, boys. And I think I was texting Jay by eight eight thirty. Oh man, check your app right now. It's back. It's back. Yep, skipthedishes.ca. Not only do you have choices from thousands of restaurants across our wonderful city, you can now get Arby's in my hood. You're and telling that's me really what's important here. I can get matzo sticks brought right to my door. You yeah, can get man. matzo sticks right to your door, provided the, that you... Uh, it's that location, too. It's it's the uh, St. Albert Trail location. Oh, look at that. Mine, on one, uh, mine is the West End location, now coming to me. So tonight, free delivery over 20 bucks. And as if you think I can't cram a $20 order into Arby's, you, you mean, you've got another thing coming. I'll show you who's going to eat beef and cheddar Did tonight. you see what's on that menu? There is a half pound beef and cheddar. Ooh. Half pound, hey? So that's yeah, like man. saving you a little bit on the carbs. Less yeah, 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 like exactly. That. This is how a hero orders armies. Skip the dishes.ca. Go get yourself something to eat. As Tyler always says, uh, be sure to tip your drivers. Yes. Uh, boys, I want to change gears entirely. Um, we're sticking with the Oilers. This week, the Hockey Hall of Fame announced um, their 2020 class. And a surprising one for a lot of people was that Kevin Lowe got into the Hockey Hall of Fame. A lot of people were rattled by it. Um, if you look at his overall body of work, 1,254 games played in the NHL, only 432 points. He was primarily a shutdown defenseman. However, he did have six Stanley Cups. Um, winning obviously went a long way with this one. A lot of his former teammates kind of said about it's about damn time. My question for you guys is, what did you think of the reaction? People just being like, how is Kevin Lowe in here? What is going on? Tyler, I'll start with you. Uh, yeah, okay, so I, I, there's a few areas I want to go here. One, I think Kevin Lowe deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He's from the area where having a guy who could be a shutdown defenseman who was hard to play against was extremely valuable. It still is, but there wasn't. there's not the metrics, the numbers, to sort of back up how valuable Kevin Lowe was. So for me, I need to go back and listen to the people who watched him play or played with him. And there's no denying how much his teammates valued him and how important they say he was to winning those Stanley Cups. I, I, I had Paul Coffey on the TSN show the other day, and like that guy, when I called him, I was like, hey, like, do you have a second? He was like, oh, fuck, anything to talk Kevin Lowe. Like you, like those, they loved him, and I think he was really important to those 80s Oilers teams. You can't deny the six Stanley Cups. Like He was a part of a lot of winning cultures. My problem is when people sit there and go, oh, since when are we just going to start allowing average players into the Hall of Fame? And it's that's what the Hockey Hall of Fame is. There's four people a year. They always put four people 
in every single season. So my if you're going to argue about anything or get mad about anything, don't get mad about Kevin Lowe being put in. Get mad at the system. Kevin Lowe's been waiting, like, what, 20 years now or a little bit less than that, 16, 17 years to get put into the Hall, and this year they decided he's a Hall of Fame player. That happens with a lot of guys. It happened with Doug Wilson as well, and it's like, for me personally, I would change the way the Hall of Fame works and maybe go to a more baseball style of a selection process where, hey, some years there might only be only be one or two guys. Some years there's going to be five or six, but your window's shorter because, in my opinion, like Kevin Lowe in the last 15 years did not become a better hockey player. His career did not get better. His career is what it was. So I think you should be able, five years after a player's retired, to sit there and go, he either was a Hall of Famer or he's not a Hall of Famer. I don't like that there's these long waiting periods and then guys randomly get thrown in. But that's the way the Hockey Hall of Fame is. It's a You get large Hall of Fame classes. There's lots of players in it. So in the context of what the Hockey Hall of Fame is, Kevin Lowe absolutely deserves to be there. That's what, uh, you, get in base, that's what you get in baseball too, though, isn't it? Like, Eventually, some guys can be there for a while because you have to get 75 or 80 percent of the vote. But they run so out. It might take you. you for dummies like me, yeah. Tyler, for dummies like me, please explain how the, the baseball one works. So the baseball Hall of Fame, I think it's I think you get 10 years on the ballot. It might be a little bit yeah. less than that. Um, and a group of writers and the writers generally do some dumb stuff. But in hockey, you could tweak it a little bit. But there's a group of writers. They vote. You need 75 percent of the writers votes to get in. If you get 74.5%, you're not a Hall of Famer. So there are some, and the writers can vote for as many players as they want. If you're looking at the ballot that year and you go, ding, 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 there's six players I think are Hall of Fame worthy, you vote for them all. If you look at, and, at it and go, no players are Hall of Fame worthy, then no one gets in. There, there, there's a chance that there are no players inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame on any given year. And for me, the baseball system has flaws, but on the idea that you have a shorter window... And you need like, you know, that's 75%. To me, that's good than just sitting there every year and going, okay, we have to pick four of these guys to put in. Like, it, it just makes it maybe mean a little bit more. But at the same time, what people are forgetting, this is a museum. Like, that's real. like, as much as hockey peers might get mad at me for saying this, it kind of is just a glorified museum. Kevin Lowe won six Stanley Cups. <laughs> put him in there. Like, does it really matter? People getting all butthurt and upset, like, it's a it's, it's a museum, man. His picture's on a fucking plaque. Who cares? It's a great it's also, honor for him. It's also the Hockey Hall of Fame, too, right? Yeah. It's not just the NHL Hall of Fame, so you get to include the rest of his resume, too, outside of the NHL. And when you look at that entire resume, that's it, that's it's silly, man. It, it's there's so much there's so much gold, and there's so many great teams he was part of. And you can't tell me that it was always because you know uh, Glenn Sather wanted to put him on the team, or there was an Oiler connection that wanted to get him on the team. If there was six defensemen out there better in you know in Canada, they were going to make the you know someone was going to go ahead of them. So there he was a lot better than I think people understand. But that's one thing that Hall of Fame does need is that the NHL awards they have the the Selkie, they have the defensive forward, so they go out there and they make sure they uh, take care of those of those forwards who are out there doing the defensive half of the thing. They don't have that on on defense, and that's what they need because you, there is two parts to, to, to defense. You do need the offensive guys, but the defensive guys are almost just as worthy. And he was an all-star in 1983-1984. He was also an all-star in 93-94. Longevity, to me, means something. This guy mm -hmm. could be, was an all-star one year, and then 10 years later, he was still an all-star. That means something to me. And if you just want to be I a just, straight troll... Sorry, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I was going to say... Thanks, Michael. I, I just was going to say that, like, 
my thing, the frustrating thing for me that it, it just becomes the conversation because like you said, or you guys laid out that it's, it's a vote based thing is that it turns into a comparison of the guys that aren't in the hall right now. So it's the guys that, the guys that, uh, that don't have a, you know, like the Alexander McGillney and the Theo Fleury example is what's kind of come up here. And then it becomes a comparison of, of guys that played in different era. I know Theo and, and Lowe overlapped quite a bit, but McGillney was, you know, at the peak of his career when Lowe was at the end of his career. So it's, it's, it's not fair to Kevin Lowe to compare him to McGillney and Theo Fleury. Neither is it fair to compare those two guys to Kevin Lowe. But it's, hey, but, 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 it, but you can, don't have to compare the player per player, compare their resumes. Look at yeah, Kevin Lowe's resume. And that's, yeah. you know, that's one way to look at it from, from our side, if you will. Um, but look at his resume. I'm sorry, Theo Fleury. I'm sorry, uh, Mogilny. I'm sorry, everybody. You don't have that res. That resume is ridiculous. Well, yeah, but it's, it, it, the, the the conversation with the resume com- talk is that it then becomes a uh, well, yeah, but he was on the '80s Oilers, and that's not fair. To, it's it's not fair. To, exactly, it's not fair to count him there. But it just turns into this giant pissing argument of comparing players and comparing the teams that they were on instead of. Just like you said, look at the resume, look at the merits of their career, and in the generate and in the in the, the league that they were in at that time, um, and that's how you judge it. But it turns erase the names, erase the names, and vote in the actual resumes, and you'll have a much different conversation. I just yeah, thought it well, was amazing. I just thought it was amazing that Ken Holland got into the Hockey Hall of Fame for executing the Lucic for Neil trade. That was amazing. He didn't have any kind of waiting period. He makes a trade. A year later, he's in the Hall of Fame. That was incredible. Well, my issue with this Whoa. is, so he's in the Hall of Fame for the Neil Lucic trade and for the cups he won in Detroit. But is, like, is there a second <laughs> hall that they're going to have to induct him to after he wins three more rings with the Oilers? Like, is there like a gold status? Does he get moved to another room? Because I think they're going to be able to induct him for his work in Detroit and his work in Edmonton. Well, yeah, he'll get some sort of attic type of thing <laughs> where it's, you know, kind of above everything else. You know, it's kind of looking down at the at the regular well, Hall of Fame. He'll be up there. Okay, it's so, kind of like a golden uh, escalator. It's real nice up there. Free popcorn. And, too, then, I like, and then it's the same, the, the, the argument and the conversation that we had surrounding Pat Burns. Where you know the the guy was the guy was dying, and the league couldn't figure out how to get him into the Hall of Fame, but yet they're 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 inducting people that are still GMs in the yeah. NHL. Like, like I think I, I I don't know if it was one of you guys. I can't remember, but I saw the tweet of you know you think Jesse Pugliarvi. I think it was fake Oilers GM, but you think Jesse Pugliarvi had a hard time negotiating me with you when I was just GM of the Edmonton Oilers. Now I'm Hall of Famer GM of the Edmonton Oilers. Like, <laughs> what are they doing to the guy? Like, the conversations are just going to be, you know, congratulations, Ken, on your induction to the Hall of Fame. Oh, thanks. Can we talk about, you know, Matt Murray from the Penguins now? Like, what what are we doing? I don't think he's going to have any issues with that at all. I don't think he's, uh, his hat size is going to go up uh, at all. Even though it could, you know what I mean? No, I, like, I, think it's, yeah. I do think it's weird, though, for a guy who, like, players can't get in while they play. So why is a guy who's actively employed as a GM, like, if he was, even if he was, like, president of hockey ops and not the day-to-day GM, or if he was, like, some advisor for a team, I'd be like, yeah, put him in. But, like, still an active GM. His resume's not done being built. Yeah, that's fair. Speaking of not being done, we still don't know where our NHL hub cities are going to be for the NHL playoffs, provided that they're safely able to get going. (laughs) What we do know is that one of us, I'm not going to say who, 
had a source that said Vancouver was going to be an NHL hub city, and they bowed out yesterday. Mr. Yeremchuk, please explain. Screaming, screaming Tyler is going to be good here. Go. Um, no, no, I'm not going to scream at all. Um, listen, like, I had a very interesting conversation with a fellow who was sending me some information that he Your younger had, brother. Yeah, my younger brother. Where that, is your brother, by the way, Tyler? That's a whole nother thing. I'll get to that in a second. He's not telling you now. So I had three different sort of sources on the player side of things. Two, I'll say two players and an agent. And I saw the conversations with them. They were legit. And it was simple questions. Do you know where the hub cities are going to be? Yes. Is it Vegas and Vancouver? Yes. Next source. Do you know where the hub? Yes. Vegas, and Vancouver? Yes. Third source. Same thing. So I looked at that and the guy who was, you know, I was talking to here, he was like, you know, I'm not going to tweet it out um, because it's not really my place. But like, you probably could like this info solid. And I was like, you know what? This is an interesting chance. Like if I get actually have the scoop on this, that's a, for a guy, for a young sports media guy, that's a pretty big thing. So I took the chance. I sent it out. I knew very well if I was the one sending it out that it probably wasn't, it, it wasn't going to be confirmed tomorrow because then LeBron or Sarivali would have had it. But I was like, fuck it, I'll take the chance. Send it out. Things fall apart with the Vancouver bid. I followed it up with a tweet that said, listen, my sources are all on the player's side. I don't know anything from the other side. And ultimately, like, we're seeing it right now. Um, Elliot Friedman today on, on a radio hit said the players don't want to come to Edmonton. The players wanted Vegas and Vancouver. So I was right in that sense. But <laughs> something fell apart with the health and safety side on Vancouver. And uh, yeah, they're, they're out of it now. Um, I had also heard from someone else who doesn't work in the NHL, but works around the NHL. And they told me that when the players held the vote, it was almost unanimous that they didn't want to come to Edmonton. So I, unless the NHL is going to just say, hey, listen, suck it up. You're going to Edmonton. I still think there's a chance it's not the city of Edmonton, but... Vancouver falling apart the way it did, it really surprised me. It'll be Toronto then. There's no way. If, if, the, if that's true and the players don't want to come here, it'll be Toronto because I'm fairly certain they're doing everything they can to get Toronto into this anyways. For two reasons. One, it's Toronto. Two, it's in the East and it makes all the sense in the world when it comes to and time zone. Three, why are they coming back right now? To save revenue. Where are they getting the revenue from? TV deals. Who's the TV partner? Sportsnet. Where is Sportsnet located? Yeah, exactly. Right, like it makes sense. Yeah, and I well, you uh, can never, never kick a, never kick a young guy for for uh, taking a chance on some sources <laughs> like that. I know a uh, a young Wanye has done that before. And bag milk, if you, were, I can't remember what I texted you one day, and we were talking about something I heard, I, I found out the night before, and uh, and then you're, oh, can you put it out there, and I was like, oh, I don't know, and then I think Matheson tweeted it out like four minutes later. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like. I've also had stuff come to me that I've tweeted out and I fucked it up. So it's just kind of fun. It's fun to bust Tyler's balls as he eats mm -hmm. trail mixture. <laughs> and uh, it's always great to fade your Remchuk. So hashtag fade your Remchuk. Always. Um, the weird thing to me, again, like the players don't want to come to Edmonton. Who cares? What like It's, it's annoying. Uh, I don't understand why, considering they're going to be in a bubble anyway, and they're not going to have a whole lot to do. Because it's no just a shitty perception of the city that nobody actually really knows about. Well, that's just it, right? I mean... And that's why Edmonton, I think, is pushed so hard because everyone does have this assumption of what the city is and everyone is inside of it completely disagrees and we know we're right. So we push back a little harder so we can be judged on the same 
merit that all these other ones do, and you don't have to get shit upon for no stupid ass reason. I mean, like if this tournament was happening, say in February, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, we. Uh, you don't need to come here. It sucks here right now. It's it's really fucking cold. But in if we're talking about July, August, Edmonton's great. Edmonton's beautiful, and at the end at the end of the day, Tyler's right. It's going to be about money. Is in Toronto, probably going to be Toronto. That also satisfies if it's Toronto, Vegas. You get a wider range of uh, you know time zones in there. It's not going to be two in the Pacific and then the Mountain Standard Time. Like, who cares? Just get on the ice. I don't care if the players want to be in. You know, if they want to build a Field of Dream style rink in the middle of nowhere and that's where they want to play, then fine. Let's just let's just go because I'm not allowed to go anyway. I don't really care. I just want to watch hockey again. That's my rant. Thank you very much. Um, moving on from Hub Cities, uh, we did talk about uh, really quickly, Broberg and Rodrigue will be attending the Oilers training camp, which is set to kick off on the 10th. And that's kind of why it's, it's strange to me that the Hub Cities haven't been announced yet. Like Training camp or phase three of the NHL's return to play plan is supposed to kick off in two weeks. Like you, you, Your guys are running out of time. Plus, there's still players everywhere all over the world. We need to get going here. We need to get going. Uh, just, you know, maybe don't put it in Florida. Hey, can or, we talk about daytime playoff hockey games when, like, a lot of people are working from home and stuff? Absolutely. Let's talk about like, it. This is going to be insane, man. Like, it, you know how basketball does their thing on Saturdays where you can get, like, four games in a row? You can do that with the NHL playoffs, man. Like this is going to be incredible coming up right away. This is a this is a, a, a sports fan's dream, and especially those who have to work who have to work at home. You now you're not even uh, trying to stay out of the office. You're sitting Rick, home watching hockey after hockey after. I hockey. love Rick's optimism. I just love it. I just you you find. I don't know why anybody can't find this right now. The everything. next time the Oilers play a game, it's going to be electric in there. Go back yeah. and watch any of the Oilers playoff games, and that building. That's what it's going to be like. Like we're getting into like in a very exciting time of hockey right now. I don't know how anybody is still sitting on their hands. Also, shout out to all the bosses that'll be checking in with their people. Like, <laughs> hey, where were you for like three hours on Tuesday, <laughs> Thursday, and whatever? What happened? That was, to you? That was when the Oilers scored their three goals, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the one. <laughs> oh, that was purely coincidental. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Bad Wi-Fi. Yeah. I just, you know what? At the end of the day, I just want to watch hockey again. I don't care where the cities are. Let's just, let's go. Let's do it safely. Let's make sure all the players are safe. But to Whatever. Finish, to, sorry, just ahead, to finish Dan. what you were saying, Big Milk, like with Rodrigue and Broberg coming back, like it's, it's interesting that those guys are, that those guys are making that, that move over here already, eh? It's fantastic. I'd love to see those young guys get to like a free opportunity to go through the, go through the motions of this, of, of what they're about to see. They're not going to sniff the ice. They're not going to get close. But they're going to be, you know, that practice. They're going to be in the arenas. They're going to be around the team. They're going to see what it's like, see what it takes to to, to play in the second half of of the playoffs. Like this is this is great for them. Yeah, it's going to be great experience for those guys. Um, it's interesting though, like just based on the. I thought the Broberg one was interesting, not because he doesn't deserve to be there at the camp and like experience all of it. It's just you know the travel aspect of him coming in from Sweden. It just seems like a whole hassle for very little. Although we got four or five of those guys coming anyways. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's just, um, yeah, you're right. I take it. <laughs> Broberg, welcome to Edmonton. Ikea is on the south side of the city. 
I don't know if you're allowed in there, but oh, no. please enjoy. Um, what? You know he no, loves just, it. He can oh, build a Billy bookcase like nobody. Taste the home. Thank you. Meatballs are delightful. Yeah, and they also have meatballs. very they also have very, very cheap breakfast options as well, which I appreciate. Uh, uh, another quick news that I just want to touch on. Could be something, could be nothing. Again, 2020, who the fuck knows? Jesse Pugliarvi hasn't done any negotiations with Carpat on what happens for the next season. Uh, the Finnish League, maybe they just don't know when they're going to start and there's no point in talking to him. Maybe he's actually going to come back since he said never say never. Twice. Anybody just have two cents on Jesse Pugliarvi not negotiating no. yet with Carpat? I'm good. I was 51, <laughs> I was 51, I was 51, 49 that he's coming back before. And I'll go up to fifty-seven forty-three now. See, I'm going to just take my word on it. Ever the optimist, and I like it. Dan, thoughts? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it like it's like the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins fan base was all afire this week because Matt Murray unfollowed the Pittsburgh Penguins on Instagram. Like we're just we're reading the tea leaves, I think, a lot here, and I don't know if it really changes anything in the middle of a global pandemic. I mean. Yeah, and you know what I always find amazing is how people are so quick to notice that stuff. It's, yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> like, it's like, they, are, they going no through, are they going through the list of their followers you, and checking Rick, them like four times a day? Rick, there's no other way to explain it than they are actively searching that kind of stuff. Because They're looking to see if the player follows the team. Yeah, because you guys obviously have a little bit more of insight because you have to play on that stuff a lot yeah. more when it comes to work. So, yeah, yeah, to me, I was like, do you literally have to go in there and check? You have to be going through their follower list and you have to be able to search for the specific following unless they have, like, unless they're one of those Instagram accounts that doesn't follow a bunch of people, I guess. But still, even then, you're still going into their following list to see who they follow. <laughs> that's it's crazy. Ludicrous. Man. I'm glad you said that. That's, oh, that's, it's, that's blown my mind. To me, it's always like, it, it's, again, it's always weird. Like, if you told me that Connor did not follow the Oilers, I'd be like, oh, I had no idea. I've never checked who he follows on Instagram. <laughs> why, would he, why would he want to follow his own team? What's he seeing there that he doesn't know about? You know what I no, mean? You have, it's a, that's a, that's a hand-in-hand thing. You just got to have to do that. It's, it's just exactly. like Connor follows the Oilers just to see all the pictures of him that are always on that. Like, <laughs> he's just like, he you does know follow the Oilers. Okay, <laughs> Connor does follow the Oilers. Thank God. But he yeah, doesn't follow Bakersfield. Mm. Oh. Are there problems? Are there problems in the room because McDavid doesn't <laughs> yes. respect the American let's, Hockey League? Let's do this every week. Let's do a social media <laughs> beef that we can create. All right, Does Leon Drysital hate Tyler Yamamoto because he doesn't follow him on Instagram? I can check. Sounds that. like it. <laughs> like, it's just you know. I love it. Like I love these internet sleuths that are just like they were so quick to find it. I don't even know how you do it. Aside of like checking back often, but you well, know, Leon does follow Kyler week. Yamamoto, so we're in the good there too, oh guys. Next week, oh, I will. Next God. week, I will have a story for the pod of <laughs> of where I can extrapolate something from one player's Instagram interactions with another player. Yeah, we need it. These are the deep dives we need in this strange, strange. I, I will bring that during COVID. We'll just do that. I want to know, and now that I'm looking, I'm looking at my own Instagram. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins still has not accepted my follower request. <laughs> like that's huge news. Uh, hey, you know Ryan what? Nugent Hopkins Dude, cancel, cancel it and redo it. Yeah, that's I what should. I was going to say. You need to get so back he, to the so top of the So it means that he doesn't line. go through his stuff and delete it, right? 
Because you can't, you can't not go through that. Either you and don't go through it or you th- do. And he could have a thousand, uh, thousand requests. Then if you're not in the oh. top fucking. Uh, Tyler's, got, Tyler's got breaking news here. Oh, I think. No. Adam Instagram Larson. Team. Adam Larson does not follow Kyler Yamamoto. Oh, I know. I don't know the button running. Wait, can I? Uh, if you want to talk about a true team guy, Oscar Clefbaum only follows the Oilers. Uh, <laughs> team man. Well, there was also I. I mean, this was again. I I was a hard hitting journalist on this one. Do you guys remember when Oscar Clefbaum's Instagram oh, yeah. Instagram account got yeah, hacked weird. a couple years yeah. ago, and they were posting very, very odd photos? Uh, I I told everybody I was going to get to the bottom of it, and I kind of quit by the initial report. But no, what are you going to do? <laughs> I like, what I'm I like glad to. We, I would just was going to say I like how we, uh, you know, we're talking about how like it's crazy that these people are on top of this stuff, but we definitely at the office were like within seconds we knew that Clefbaum's Instagram account had been hacked. <laughs> I just, you know, I just like it. I like this breaking news. So far, we've got Oscar Clefbaum, team guy. <laughs> Next Larson. week, we all have to bring our... Larson, Larson, and, Yam, Larson and Yamo, huge issue. Yeah, Larson and Yam, there's beef. <laughs> there's beef. Uh, Drysidle, follows line mate Yamamoto. Connor Thank McDavid, God. Hey, wait, does, what does that mean about Larson and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and Leon? <laughs> oh. Maybe line mates got beef against the defense. It's a top six thing versus a, you oh, know. A, there we go. Someone's got to check that. Uh, we're going to have an updated report on all things social media for I'll next. I'll say one thing was really funny. I had one, one opposing team coming to the bar one night. They were on back bars. If you know that, it's just like a, a right angle. And down one side was all like cheaper contracts. And down the other side was all oh, like heavy, no. pretty big spenders. Oh, no. I, don't know oh, happened, no. I don't know if it happened, like if it just happened to happen that way. But we're talking heavy spenders down one side with lots of you're zeros. Talking, and, you're and you're talking guys NHL you to, numbers. And, yeah. and then some guys you might have to Google to figure out who they are. What, what, so what's the, the drink of choice for the expense of NHLers when they roll in? Vodka. Really? That's do it? they just buy bottles? Just vodka. No, they just buy trays. We don't do bottle service. We'll do trays. Although I will tell you this. that uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's a certain oiler now who is, uh, might have got somebody to help into the Hall of Fame uh, yesterday. That he a uh, big fan of Guinness. Huh. I can't do Guinness, man. This is all like Guinness. when uh, was said player was uh, on a, a away team. He quite just, enjoyed it. Well, I know a lot of people love Guinness. Like, do you guys do like it? I I just can't do it. I can't do no, it. No, but I don't like I don't like those flavors, right? I'm not a big coffee guy. That's just not yeah. my flavors. So it's, it's just such a head. Can you really? It's just such a heavy beer. Like I could drink maybe one of those, and then I gotta like I gotta have like I don't know a white claw or something. To well, there's a couple it. a couple car bombs is about all you can handle. Oh, thousand percent. Even though car bombs are crazy, well, um, Bailey's on top to help even it out. <laughs> We've only got a few minutes left in this week's podcast. Kind of fell off the rails here, Tyler. I know that's okay. Get your it's Friday. Ready. We're getting close to happy hour. We're talking booze. It is time, of course. Nation Happy Hour every Wednesday and Friday on Instagram Live. I host, I talk to people, I talk to Jay, I talk to all kinds of people about what's going on um, every Wednesday, Friday, 5.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. But the Hot and Cold Performers of the Week is brought to you by our friends at Oodle Noodle. 10% of all dine-in, takeout, and curbside orders are being donated to local charities. If you want to get more information on it, you can go ahead and follow them on Instagram at Oodle Noodlegram or on Twitter at Oodle underscore Noodle. As we always do, we start with our cold performers of the week. I'm going to go ahead and start this one because this drives me crazy. My fucking sinuses 
feel like they're going Ooh. to explode. My cold performer of the week brought to you by Oodle Noodle is the fucking fluff from Poplar Trees. I just, I don't know why Poplar Trees have to be a thing. Like we here, as a here. people need, we as a people need to say here, here. to Poplar Trees. Don't we, we freeze need- these things out in January? How are they coming back to life again? This is ridiculous. Vote down Poplar Trees. Vote against life. Poplar Trees. We just need to work together as a society and cut them all down. I'm not saying cut them all down from forest where they can live in their natural habitat, but I don't need any of them in the city. We need to get rid of all of these residential this, poplar trees. The next time you see a poplar tree, be stab it. Put yeah, them all in a museum. Just give it a... So my cold performer of the week is poplar trees. <laughs> Mr. Uremchuk, you just pushed the button. Who is your oodle noodle cold performer of the week? Uh, you know what? I don't mind taking some heat myself. We talked about it. Hashtag fade Uremchuk. I'm the cold performer of the week <laughs> because I said it was Vancouver and Vegas for the hub cities. I was wrong. I love a man that can admit his mistakes. And that's what Tyler just did. He owned it. We all fuck these things up, Tyler. I love you, buddy. Mr. Nation Dan, your oodle noodle cold performer of the week. My, uh, well, I got to give Tyler a little bit of kudos there because it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily his fault. But anyway, um, it was. The, my cold performer of the week is the fucking players that, <laughs> that went ahead and reignited the fires of nobody wants to play in Edmonton anymore. It's, it's such, like, you guys you guys already laid it out really well there in the segment. I was kind of biting my tongue because this was going to be my cold performer. But, like, can we fucking stop having to defend this amazing city and just have people recognize for what it is? It, it's a great city that, yeah, you don't want to come to it in fucking February. That's fine. But the, the city doesn't get worse other than these poplar trees. Kill poplar trees. Yep. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, the players... Shitting on Edmonton, reignite the the stupid trolling of you know nobody wants to play in Edmonton. My cold performer of the week. Burr, burr. Rick, you are last up. Your oodle noodle cold performer of the week. I'm going back to the well on this one, guys. Last week I came up with something. In the last seven days, I've had to explore outside of my normal life in this city, and it's still the fucking same issue. Construction. This is getting stupid. I don't even know where I'm driving sometimes. I'm afraid taking turns sometimes because I don't know where the hell anything's going right now. It is ridiculous. It needs to stop. We need to figure out how to do this in portions. Thick, do this one, and then this one, and then this one. Not start, 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 start medium, finish, finish, finish. Oh, that's cold. I ran over a freaking railroad tire going, or a railroad spike going through a, a construction oh, zone the other day. Oh, that's where your tire came from? That was the worst. And they couldn't it was on the side, so they couldn't fix the tire. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm anti construction zone right now. And it's just like I mean, for anybody who's listening to this that does not live in Edmonton, if we have winter and then as soon as the snow is gone, the entire city is a construction zone. And you're basically and playing and poplar, of course. Fuck poplar trees. Um you're basically playing Mario Kart weaving through construction zones <laughs> at a Reduce speed, I might say. Nobody here is speeding, but we yeah, no are problem. we are doing some weaving because sometimes you're sometimes you're playing like you're in Britain and you're driving on the wrong side of the road because construction has just closed down a major artery. I don't know. I'm with Ryan like, on this one. I love the ju- juxtaposition between my uh, cold performer, you know, love I Edmonton <laughs> to Rick's where it goes. I felt all bad. Like, on the construction, but, it's, but it's, you're, yeah, not a but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. 
but the players can't fucking say that they're worried about construction in Edmonton. Oh, Listen, God. you guys won't be allowed to drive anyway, so you won't have to deal with it. Feel bad for us players. We have to deal with the construction and the poplar trees. Uh, going to the opposite side of the ledger, it is time for the Oodle Noodle Hot Performers of the Week. A little bit of sunshine to get, head ourselves into the weekend. Mr. Yaremchuk, I'm going to start with you, your Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. Sorry, boys, I'm taking the low-hanging fruit on this one, my Hot Performer of the Week. Giving some love to the members of the Oilers organization that were voted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Ken Holland, Kevin Lowe, much respect. Very good to see a couple more guys. I know Ken Holland's going in for his work in Detroit, blah, 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 blah. Still. Couple of Oilers organization members going to the hall. Love it. Put some respect on my name. <laughs> Amen. Mr. Nation Dan, your Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. It's uh it's it's a it's a reminiscent one from from you know the seasons past and when we can when we can enjoy actual hockey. Uh, but this week my hot performer of the week is Oilers Twitter for its response to the promotional video that was put out earlier this week for Edmonton as being the hub city (laughs) that then then showed entirely images of uh, Banff and Jasper and the surrounding mountains, which everybody who doesn't live in Edmonton knows that they're, uh, or should know that they're uh, three hours away from us at a a good pace. Um, So, so anyways, Oilers Twitter's response to that was absolutely amazing. There was people posting images of, you know, the Eiffel Tower as being part of their favorite part of Edmonton and giving it, you know, just ridiculous locations within the city. And uh, it was just, it was, it felt like hockey was back for a minute because we all just came together to, to mock a hilarious promotional video. Cash money. And that's, I've said this a million times. Nobody makes fun of the Oilers or anybody better than Oilers fans. We do it better than anyone. So, that happened on Monday um, that that video was released. It was supposed to be targeted towards the families of NHL players, just things you can do around the city within day trips, all that stuff. Oh. But that wasn't explained in the original. Yeah, that was just them backtracking hard. <laughs> so, okay, so that's fine. Generally speaking, I would say that if you have to release a press statement on your promotional video to explain it, you probably didn't do a very good promotional video. But that's another story. All I know is that was an accidental joke that came out on Monday, and man, did I have fun with it. I love this. I love that pick by Dan. Um, Rick, your Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. Uh, well, if I've, um, I've been watching uh, on, online here a little bit, and I've noticed a bunch of players coming back. They're coming back. Patrick Russell's back. Ladgerson's coming back. We know Broberg and Rodriguez are coming back. So I'm going to shout out to all the NHL because we are getting close. It is almost time. Hockey's back. It's time to get excited. Put your car flags out there. Grab a couple nation beers and let's go have some fucking fun. I also drink a beer at Rogers Place and I get crazy. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Damn that. I've seen it. Um, my Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week, I am going to be a selfless or selfish plug guy. Yesterday on Real Life Podcast, we did a great interview with Brett Kissel. When he popped on to the, to the podcast, he was sitting on his deck or wherever he was at. He had no shirt on. And he said, hang on a sec, boys. I'm going to run inside, put a shirt on. And I said, no, no, Brett Kissel. Don't worry about it. And I popped my tarp off in solidarity for Brett Kissel. So my Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week is me. Or how quickly I got my shirt off and sat there for 90 minutes looking at Brett Kissel on a FaceTime call and neither of us were wearing shirts. 
That is the Oodle Noodle Hot and Cold Performance of the Week. That is episode 92 of Oilers Nation Radio from Sherwood Ford, skipthedishes.ca, and Oodle Noodle. I want to thank all of you for being here. I want to thank you, gentlemen, for spending an hour of your Friday afternoon with us, and all of you for listening and downloading and subscribing wherever you get your podcast from. And that's a wrap. Oilers Nation Radio, episode 92. Have a good weekend, everybody. Shout out, Damien. Best wishes. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up, because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Face-Off Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes, because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.